Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Bench Unit after one week off where we did promise we would get an episode out and then didn't. That's the kind of service you can expect around here. My name is Mark. I'm joined by James. How's it going, man? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. I remember posting the Instagram story about the episode being delayed and really, really going back on forward on whether I'd use the word promise about <laughs> our intentions to get the episode out. And I went with the word promise and then we didn't. Yeah, sorry, that's that's kind of... That, that's our bad um we we planned on we planned on recording and then mark had a work thing and then i took out every possible bit of wiggle room that we could have had scheduling wise by accidentally leaving my house with both mine and my wife's keys so i had to like go out of my way to go and find her and give her her keys so yeah we yeah, yeah. didn't happen sorry well, if you really want to know what we thought about last week's games I'm sure you don't. It's fine. Message us and we'll tell you in so much excruciating detail. You I, will wish you never bothered. Yeah, find me in person I'll act, and I'll actually be honest about it. And it, and they'll give you your keys back while you're about it. Yes. Um, right. Quick question before we fire off on the episode. I've been pondering a bunch of loosely basketball related things and I would like to get your opinion on what is a sports team name that you feel like has gone underused or not used at all. Oh, oh that's a weird one. Yeah. I, full disclosure, I'm thinking about this for two reasons. I saw recently uh, Hiers finally gave themselves a logo update and they now have a shark as their logo despite not having a name. Like It's just Hiers, Handy Funny. Basket or whatever it is. And I've been playing that Spider-Man game on PlayStation and there's a non-playable character who's wearing a sports jersey that just says horses on it as if that's the team. <laughs> that is so funny that they've just like picked an animal. Um, so yeah, um, ponder that, get back to me by the end of the episode. Um, well, no, I can I can get back to you now and it's in a roundabout way. I remember the Washington NFL team had a name that was insensitive to Native American people and they changed it and there was a year in the in the middle where they didn't have a name <laughs> and they were just going by the Washington football team and I just thought that was great and I was like I love this like just cut out all the nonsense but I just thought that was really funny that they were like there was just a year where they were like having competitions to see who would name the team and this that and the other and also like if you have a competition people are going to write in stuff way worse than anything yeah. that you changed it from but imagine yeah, it. the washington football team was very funny to me because i'm just like yeah hey we've given up it's fine we can't it, possibly we can't possibly do anything wrong if we name it this yeah it's like this is a real deep cut but there was pre-nba 2k becoming a thing do you remember nba live the series yeah. i can't remember what year the seattle sonics moved to oklahoma it's like 2010 yeah, something like KD that. KD played one year there, 29-2010. Whichever, whichever year it was in the offseason. Wait, they, no, I'm wrong. It's 2008. Sorry, KD was drafted 2007, wasn't he? You're right, you're right. Um, <laughs> they must have, they released NBA Live prior to, like when the move was taking place, but prior to like the rebrand and everything. And the Oklahoma, it was just called the Oklahoma City team. And the jerseys were just black and white and had team written on them. I was like... You could have waited, <laughs> or you could have either dropped the game or just like left them as Seattle or something. But you just halfway housed it with the least effort. 
And that sounds kind of like us, so I'm on board. Speaking of the least effort, shall we talk about your game versus Katafi? I was just going to say, talking about effort, um, (laughs) Katafi 57, Bilbao 77. Oh boy, you said you were going to give me both barrels here. Um, Yeah. Do do you want to lay into us, or do we want to just go, hey, we got out of there, got it done, that's nice? Yeah, I to be honest, I feel like giving you any vitriol on this would require more effort from me than you guys displayed at any point during the game. <laughs> Therefore, I don't know <laughs> if it's really worth it. Um, yeah, this was... I'll, I will start off by saying Hitafe had that overtime loss against Burgos where they looked pretty serviceable and then have looked dreadful two games immediately following that. They at least looked more like the Burgos team, although playing against a, theoretically a better opponent. Um, yeah, Burgos are better than us. You mean? <laughs> um, yeah, you guys. Ready? You guys looked all the way like you were ready to. You know, you'd watched their last two games and been like, oh, "These guys had one good game for the year, and they lost that one, and then they've rolled over a couple of times. Surely they'll roll over against us and." For at least one half, they did not. What was it? Six points at halftime? No. Yeah, Eight. less maybe. Oh yeah, no. Eight points at halftime it was. So yeah. yeah, do you do you care to explain yourself? Um, I don't know. I think you come into a game like this, and the whole thing uh, you've probably played in games like this, and you've coached games like this as well, and you're like, hey, let's not come out <laughs> sleeping. Like, let's give the opponent the respect they deserve, and let's not make a mess of this and you always do like most of the time as a rule of thumb if the word respect has to be used in the pre-game talk you're you're already fighting a losing battle (laughs) yeah i'm not saying it was necessarily but i mean like there's a bit of a like let's go out and do our job and get back but i wonder if without caring i wonder if you're kind of you're in the basketball game your head's already in the bus on the way home um but it felt like Rodrigo Perez had nine threes and he shot also he shot 12 from 30. I love it. Like what a gunner. Um, we let him take 30 shots like he, when we shouldn't have. Um, but he was four from 16 from three also legend. And it felt like he made half of them. I don't know why there's just a thing of like, when you feel like you shouldn't still be in a game against someone and they keep making threes. It's like, what do we do? Four from 16 threes, but I feel like three of them were in the first quarter. Yeah, there's a Once weird again, thing. it's not true, but I feel like the first quarter, I was like, this guy is killing us. There like, is a weird 33 thing, points, so he did. somebody kill. makes more than, like, three three-point attempts in a game, it feels like they never missed. Yeah, because you don't really you don't really credit the chuck-ups. That, like, four from 16, and some of them were, like, because we ended up pressing to get ourselves going, obviously, and some of them end up, like, late shot clock like heaves off one shoulder facing the wrong way and you kind of don't count that into their actual shooting percentage when you're feeling bad about it but yeah they I don't know I came into this game and I had a, an immediate thing and I've kind of spoken about it watching these guys in Juventud and Burgos where it's like the lower down teams in the league are not as bad as they were five years ago when I came into the league yeah like there is more talent in the world of wheelchair basketball than a handful of years ago, and certainly in the Spanish league, whether that's like a influx of money even into the lower down teams or whatever, I don't really know. Or maybe it's the accessibility of the Spanish league to the Spanish speaking world. Yeah. Um, like you wouldn't get 
random um Colombian guys showing up to lower league teams in Germany, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um Absolutely. but I like I just randomly thought of that, I wonder. But yeah, it's yeah, uh, there are they're still not like challenging, obviously, but it's um enough to give us a scare when we didn't show up with our heads screwed on, but came out kind of pressed second quarter, went back to our bigs third quarter, figured it out in that lineup, which is good for that those guys because there's nothing worse than coming out in a game that you think should be easy, having to get subbed and then watching the other lineup be like, All right, cool, God's sake. Why didn't you yeah. just do this? But yeah, it's good to them to get good to them. Good for those guys to get back on the floor and have a good run there. And then we kind of closed it out. Um yeah. as in our mid's lineup again. But so in the end, a useful sort of a useful sort of weekend for us, but it probably shouldn't have been. Yeah. <laughs> like it should have been a waste of time. <laughs> they were good enough that you know you know what I mean, but that's a mad way to say it. But like it I, if we did our job, we maybe would have been coming away from that game being like flip sake, like this is yeah, this is I can't believe we drove for five hours, but yeah, you, also you have to do that. So. Yeah, the the best the best case outcome for games like these is that if I were to ask you a detail about this game in two weeks, you would have absolutely nothing to tell me. Like where the, this will now be remembered as like, it, and to say it was a twenty point game. It yeah, like because yeah. it was close at halftime, you'll be like, Hey, do you remember when Hitafe ran us close? It's like, Yeah, it d- didn't really work out like that, but um, yeah, Manu with 25 for you guys, Papi with 16, um, Asia with 11, Chem with 13. It was your guys' size across the board that did it really. Um, yeah. that you know, you might not even if you don't show up with the utmost intensity, you were still a decent amount bigger than them, and that does count for a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, Manu with a end of the half deep, deep three that needs to be mentioned. Um, that was exciting. Um, I think but, what yeah. the score would have looked like if that. Hadn't <laughs> I was gonna say fifty-seven seventy-four. <laughs> oh, scraping by, but yeah. Um, Rodrigo's threes are so so interesting to deal with because he like squares up and shoots them stationary. So I think you have that thing where like if you're defending him and a pick comes and you go under it and the next guy goes to jump out kind of thinking that he'll be on the other side of the pick by now, but he's like directly behind it as if it's a screen on the edge of the key. So it's like, it's it's like harder to get to. I think that kind of got us a couple of times, but it's yeah, just... he, He's a weird one as well because he, he's right-handed, but he seemingly only ever shoots from having gone right. Like he never drifts left and shoots moving. Yeah, he goes right and squares up like... With his hips. Yeah, shout out to him, man. 30, 30 shots, 16 threes. He took as many threes as their next leading shot attempted took total shots. I That's... want him to take 30 shots and then be half threes a game. Like, honestly, that might be the roadmap to them, like, stealing one at some point. Like, he just goes nuts. We're in the um, we're in the Agostino Lejos, Fabian Romo territory where we're like, hey, do you think their two best guys can get 60 combined shots every game? That would be great. I... I love it. While two of their starters who played 39 and 20 minutes took no shots combined. (laughs) That is, that's that's not going to help. But yeah, talking about Agustin Alejos, uh, Mercia 65, uh, Ampi Vigo 55. And I have a bone to pick with the Spanish Federation. 
you would think they don't want people to find out about wheelchair basketball. <laughs> it's as if they're like <laughs> the next time they're gonna like next week they're gonna put a game on down the back of my sofa. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like hey, come and watch this game live in my front pocket. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> just completely unreasonable. Like there is a balance between getting the games out broadly and also me knowing where they are. And it's maybe just because I don't pay attention to their Instagram or whatever, but like I heard about this game and I saw some of the lads of my team watching it and I was like, where is this? What is going on? Um, but yeah, fuming. Uh, but this was a good game in the end. Uh, it was really, really weird and really streaky. There were like two very close quarters and then two blowouts in different directions. But Bizarre. Uh, yeah, it was. I thought it was interesting, man. So it was Mercia pulled the game out in the end because of their massive third quarter run. But I want to talk about the Vigo second quarter run because I thought it was a interesting sort of back and forward where you went like, so Mercia were four bigs and Lourdes on the floor. And I felt like because of the even spread of size from four guys on Vigo, they were really happy enough to be like, okay, whoever's got load of this on a mismatch can either go to the basket or post her up, which ended up with like Oscar Knight having another. Oscar's just, is Oscar going to top score the league? What are we doing here? I was um, thinking about this. And if Vigo hadn't had a tougher time in the win loss department, I think this kid that like we cover this stuff like a pair of sickos and we had borderline never heard of him. I knew um, who he was, but it was like. Yeah. Just but from like you... a, I knew he was playing back home, but like I don't know enough about the the league back home. And I'd seen obviously Plymouth went to a Euroleague qualifier last year, and he got an All Star and this, that, and the other. So like he was a good basketball player, to... but I had no idea he was going to show up and do this. If you had to do like a Spanish league All Star team or like All First team, he would probably make it. Like for yeah, weeks. he's there thereabouts at the minute. Like yeah. if they do their mad <laughs> All Star team like last year, but. You know, I thought it was interesting because they went like, all right, cool, we're going to go for that. Um, Just whoever's got a mismatch, attack, and we will generate from there. And then I thought it was interesting that Mercia went, okay, we're going to go mids for many different reasons, but also crucially just to kind of like take the floor up on our defense. Like maybe you're losing a bit of your ceiling, but it's like, okay, so you've got like our lowest pointer is a two-pointer that can move and is a little taller than Lourdes and whatever. Like, okay, good luck hunting and then they just went all right cool you're gonna press us now whoever's gotta run like there was a load of like i don't know lewis beat someone on the halfway line and just flies to the basket and gets a pass zip to him from alejos layup they just killed them and like i just thought it was an interesting like vigo are like okay here's where our offense comes from mercia went no it isn't and then vigo went all right how about this um so that led to a 24 10 quarter and then Mercia's shot 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 chart in the third quarter was just the charge circle. Mercia just went, all right, how about if we crank the pace up and get layups for a full 10-minute period? Yeah. It was <laughs> the game was over. This was the this was the second one in a row. Mercia reviews the third quarter where it's and specifically because they had Burgos the other week, didn't they? And Pete Cusack seems to just come alive when the whenever the press ratchets up, 
this was the second game in a row where he's had like a run of six or eight straight points to himself in the quarter. Pete and... Kuzak is in the... I'd love to make a team of this. It would be over points because it would be all mids, but like the, the Tom O'Neill press to get myself going uh, all-star team. Uh, Pete's in that as well. But yeah, as I say, this 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 team would go to like 16 and a half because it'd be threes and three fives. <laughs> Grand Canaria could sign him. Um, but yeah, I think um, what I find most interesting about this, and I, I messaged you about this after I checked this game out, but the fact that Mercia had a 30 to 12 third quarter because they got their press to make them not have to rely on their half court offense. And then they just took the press off for the final quarter, essentially. And it's like, they scored nine points. The final quarter was nine eight. It's like, guys, if you, I promise you, if you get an 18 point advantage over 10 minutes, just keep pressing that button. Like the idea that you were comfortably far enough ahead at that point that you could be like, oh, we don't need this anymore. It's like, yeah. You only have 10 more minutes to play, man. If you'd have burnt yourself out doing that in the first quarter, I understand taking it off for a little bit so as to not run yourselves totally ragged. But if you can do 30 30 versus 12 in 10 minutes, you're probably not going to get completely drained in 10 more minutes of doing the same thing. Yeah, like Um, maybe press for another four minutes and then it if you want. But also, I think it's probably tough if you're Vigo and you've come that close and that game's semi close at that point you're at nine at the end of the third and it's like hey if we have like if we average out our offense from the last three quarters we probably can score enough to make this happen but they just didn't but yeah um lee with 22 for mercia pq's out with 17 a quietish game from lalo who only played 20 minutes and had foul trouble um three and a quarter four and a half (laughs) Uh, Joaquin Robles kind of played that role as Mercia went a little bit smaller. Eight for him, six for uh, Pablo Zazuela, and then a couple of chip-ins on the bench. Um, the story of this one is, as far as Vigo are concerned, is Oscar carried them with 22, but for what feels like the third time in four games, we've got an exceptionally low shooting night from um, Agustin Lajos, who was one from 15. And they weren't, I mean, there's not the easiest selection of post-ups against Mercia because outside of Lourdes, they were all able to contest and it just felt like, man, if he'd have made a handful more of these, especially as they were padding it in the second quarter, I feel like this would have been not insurmountable because Mercia put up 30 and a quarter, but that cushion could have made a lot of difference. Um and yeah, he's just had a few bad ones, man. And Vigo have kind of carried him, which is the the opposite way around to how this normally goes. Yeah, it'd be um, interesting when he has a like because he's going to like he's top scored the league in previous years. Like he's gonna get going at some point. It'll be interesting to see if it happens at the right moment against a good team and yeah. gets interesting. Yeah, he must. Be oh, we have them in a couple of weeks, and I'm like, ah, find it either yeah. before or after us, please. Yeah, but you said against a good team, not against the team that nearly blew one against Hitafe. Yeah, there you go. We're we're fine. We're <laughs> not. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if we're bad. I don't know if we're good either, but I don't, I don't know. Shall we shift on? Uh yeah. All right. Uh Juventud 38. Uh Madiba 59 in the leap bowl. Um I know there's probably a couple of guys. Um baffled by this one, man. I, I was most baffled by this because we talked about 
Juventus at least this year resemble a you know funkily put together but competent basketball team. Yeah, um, bit of a and... ragtag bunch of unbelievably like like it's a weird weird construction, but it's like actual guys, like actual basketball players that that's exactly have won before have won games before and like. <laughs> Have contributed to winning in different places on different levels at different times. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I put the I did the Instagram polls being like, "Who have you got for this one?" And the vote was like overwhelmingly Madiba, and I was like, "That seems very strange." Um, best player on the floor. Is yeah, it? like I would um, go Madiba, but it was overwhelming. It's like eighty percent Madiba. I was like, "That seems heavy." Um, people don't pay attention. There's probably people voting thinking like. Phil, George, and Greg are still there. <laughs> um, like two guys that aren't there, one guy that doesn't play anymore. <laughs> like, not only did um, Madiba win this game by twenty-one points and hold Joe into to thirty-eight, uh, their leading scorer was Musa Gazibi, who up until this year had played for them for a season and a half, and they hadn't even bothered to give him his own jersey; they'd just given him George's old one. <laughs> he's now, Hell yeah, he's. Dropping twenty two against a team of you know competent basketball players and yeah I I could not wrap my head around how mediocre Juventus looked um other than with the exception of Leap flying around everybody who can shoot on this team is incredibly static um yeah Villafania is obviously movement limited because he's missing one arm. Um, and kind of only shoots stationary or like pre-designed rolling into his shot. Mena just sits still behind the screen at all times, essentially, and Leap tries to do enough movement for all three of them. And yeah, and Madiba between John Hernandez and Enzo Trebuchet had a quiet scoring game, but their top two guys were just too mobile for Joventut, and it felt like you should have been able to move the ball around them, but that didn't happen. Um, be that a you know shot hunting thing or whatever it might be, but nobody on Juventus scored in double figures, and they, they had, had two four. single figure quarters. Well, single figure quarters is one thing. They had nine in the fourth quarter. They had three points in the second quarter. Good day. Like, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't have a whole lot other than I cannot believe how limited Juventus looked given the relative influx of talent compared to last year. Um. Quite honestly, I wonder if last year's team might have put up a better fight, but <laughs> maybe that's a bit steep. Um, yeah, this was just I don't know, man. Man, and this was Madiba went and got this one with both hands, and fair play to them. Yeah. Um, also, still just funny that the player coach for Juventus, like they've got all these different players, and he's still like, I don't think he started this game, but like he starts himself some games and plays like thirty minutes, and yeah, love that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> There's only one reason people sign up to be player coaches, and it's because they want to play. Hell yeah! Uh, all right, let's move on. I have, I don't want to have thoughts about this game. Um, <laughs> what's next? Uh, so Steady we got eighty. Malaga and Real Reyes Gutierrez forty-two. Yeah. Ah, uh, one... first quarter. I really thought this was going to be fun to watch, man. Yeah. Uh, first quarter was eighteen sixteen. Uh, Amivel and. Then it just got really out of hand. The next three quarters were um, 
20 to 8, 23 to 14, 19 to 4. Um, this is Malaga have just started playing all their away games on like Thursday evenings, and I, I imagine there's a reason for it, but I love not knowing this is happening and then being like, what am I going to do? Oh, wait, Malaga are playing a good team. Like Malaga are playing one of the top teams in the league. This is this is exciting, but uh yeah, it's a weird one. It's like um I said this to you when the FIBA World Cup was on, but like the unexpected basketball that just like shows up and you you know, you get like a YouTube ding or whatever it has been like this game is happening is like <gasps> I'm not a drinker, but I imagine this is how like randomly popping out for day drinking feels. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, sure. This shouldn't yeah. be happening, but it is happy days. Yeah, sneak in a quick pint. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, no, the, I mean, as I say, this was a really fun first quarter and then Damiap's quality just started showing more and more and pretty hard to stick with them when yeah like, when, when that happens when they ratcheted it up. But everyone bar well, if you look at like Fifi fifty percent, um, but on high volume, thirty one points on thirteen of twenty six shooting. Um, three of four from three. <laughs> you know, when you see someone who shoots an all right percentage, you're like, I wonder if they shot really well from two and then not from uh, nope, 45% from two, 75% from three. Um, <laughs> Ben with a really efficient 12 of 18, Phil on eight of 15, 53%. Like, yeah, you have to stop when your main three guys are going for that. Yeah, the mad thing about this is, um, so this was 80 to 42. I was saying nearly doubled Malaga up and all of their points came from four guys and all yeah. but five of those points came from three guys. <laughs> it's like Malaga are a professional basketball team who've nearly been doubled up by three and a bit players. Um, yeah, I thought this was... It was interesting first quarter. For some reason, we seem to be seeing quite an influx of these games that are close for a first quarter and then... I don't know if it's like adrenaline of the underdog carries them for like 10 minutes. And then as soon as the, you know, the more established team or the favorite, you know, gets a couple of minutes break to compose themselves, things settle down. But we saw this with Malaga's last midweek game where um, Salvador Sandoval is pretty effective against about 80% of the teams in the Spanish league. And then, time comes to play one of the teams that's stocked with giants. I know Alvesay aren't as big as they are, but they're huge in comparison to most teams. They're still like they're missing maybe the two two of the three or four biggest guys in the league and they still might be bigger than a lot of teams. <laughs> um and yeah Salvador is great against most teams and just isn't quite up to the physical task against the top two. Um and yeah the trickle down effect is with him being less effective, it's just way less for their outside shooters to work with. And we're seeing a slightly troubling trend of, you know, single-figure 40%-ish shooting games from both Kyle and Abdi, um, which isn't a death spell in and of itself, but Jaime Esparza is not the most... He's a volume-scoring numbers guy in the majority of games, and when you don't really know where your efficient shooting nights are coming from, you're going to struggle against most teams, never mind Alvesetti, who routinely shoot over 50%. And Alvesetti also got 21 more shot attempts than Malaga did. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that one, man. It's tough to, um, tough to craft a winning formula out of any of that stuff. Yeah, random little bit that I saw from this, which made me laugh, was like early in the game, like some point in the first quarter, Kyle has a ball on the three-point line, obviously, 
everyone knows him and um but especially the gb guys and they're just like bam chair his foot plate comes off a pick rolls just inside the three-point line like towards the free throw line and shoots what i would like he shot it quickly enough that i was like that's basically a floater and it just like nothing but net completely clean i was like oh this is a home game <laughs> like this is my guy knows this place inside out he was there for years i was like this is there's no adjustment period to, uh what are these hoops like this that and the other it was like yeah no i've i've shot a thousand of these from this spot which yeah, that no. just made me laugh be like oh home game home game <laughs> but, yeah, away um, from home. Yeah. um and yeah to be honest man like this is year two in malaga for kyle he, I was speaking to someone about this away from the podcast, obviously, but this Malaga team doesn't yet look like it's been built to really maximize him in the way Amiab did. Um, it's kind of a reminder when you watch games like this, but yeah, I just, I think Malaga are better on paper than they have been. Um, I just, I can't help but watch this and feel like they're at least one, if not two pieces away from being real, but I think that their lack of size is exposing them against legit teams at the moment. I have no doubt they will scratch their way to kind of fifth or sixth against, you know, whoever might be easy pickings lower down, but or relatively easy pickings. But yeah, there's firm ceiling on this team for the time being, at least. Yeah. No, I do think Sandoval being an inside presence, I've spoken about this before, I think that gets them some of the way to sort of protecting their shooters a bit better than previously like there's been a couple of years playing against them where you're like ah well we'll go and we can figure out what we'll figure it out when they go inside we'll we'll just adjust but Sandoval gives them an extra element there but that's still only one like one real addition in terms of guys that are playing big minutes right now and yeah as you say maybe a couple more pieces but yeah I don't know right should we move on yeah to a team with no shortage of pieces um Grand Canaria, 75, Illunion, 97. So I was talking to you about this, and I described this game as one of the sort of... Like last year, I was talking about a couple of teams and I was watching them. I was like, hey, what can you do? There was a point that Illunion were going... um, Second quarter, or... Well, first half, anyway. um, And they went like, Greg... Tom, Amadou, Sticks, Terry, and it was just like, man out. Greg with the ball in his hands, he'd already hit two threes. Terry on the other side of the floor. Uh, so you got Greg behind the screen, uh, man out running down the middle, and it was like, hey, you can you can do nothing with this. Yeah. Like, you can do absolutely nothing about this. And I feel like Grand Canary got the 75, and it just didn't matter at all. Alunion were just firing on all cylinders. and Yeah, that was as good enough an offensive performance I'd seen against like another good team, uh, certainly this season, I would say, um, from anyone. And yeah, I was, I was so, I was super impressed. Um, obviously it's no surprise um, that they're impressive. They've beaten us twice already, but like, sure. I think, I think the mad thing is, um, this was a 22 point game. I don't feel like Gran Canaria lost any quarter in disastrous fashion. Um, There was never a point in the game where it seemed like even putting a run together to get within reach was outside the realm of possibility. Um, I felt like Gran Canaria got exposed both 
offensively and defensively more than they have. Um, obviously, Illunion have got so many scoring options. You're going to be able, you know, they're going to get stuff. A decent starting point is to have enough size across the board that there's not just mismatch hunting straight from the off, which Grand Canaria by and large have. Yeah, Grand Canaria. Yeah, Grand Canaria have gone for size. Like they've got yeah. a um goal playing as a one five. Like they're good. Yeah, for I thought that was fine when they went to starters, and then they went to David Hernandez in for Basti, and they had two. Yeah, this is one thing I wanted to talk about. Sorry. Um. um yeah, we'll get to that. But I have one fix for Grand Canaria, and I think when you hear what my suggested fix is, because Basti going out, they were too small and they got mismatched. And also Bassi being on the screen for Alexi Ramane was just not able to go inside and finish against like Hasso and Bill. And I think the only fix I could recommend for Gran Canaria would have been to replace Raul in the starting lineup with Trayvon Jennifer. And I think that would have fixed both their offensive and defensive <laughs> issues. That's that would fix that would fix a lot of teams' problems. That's literally the only guy I could think of who, who where I was like, right, who's not going to get mismatched and who's going to have a shot at finishing against Lunion and who's a two five and it's Trevon Jennifer. So if he's knocking around, they might be in business, but then they would be violating the Spanish player rule. So that's completely moot anyway. Yeah, so um, you need to talk him out of um, the situation he's in currently. Um, uh, you have to talk him into Gran Canaria and you have to talk him into getting a Spanish passport. I don't think... <laughs> Problem solved. But yeah, no, I thought it was interesting. Obviously, Basti Cobb takes a second file just in a man-out situation pretty early on, which was... It, it looked like intentional. I don't know whether he just accidentally clipped the back of a chair, but looked like he kind of clipped someone just to take one and that's your second file in the first quarter. That was maybe not the best call if it was on purpose um and then grand canaria go david in for basti so you're going to one for a one five but you're technically tallest two five in the world out bar well bar a couple of guys probably one of the taller two fives in the world out for a one yeah. um which is not ideal obviously it changes your defense changes your like gives you more mismatchability um defensively also the screens for shooters are now just ones on either side, unless you go power side and then things get a little complicated and a little more diluted. Um, and then it was also interesting because then Pinjo picks up his second file, which leads Elunion to, unless they were preparing the sub anyway, it leads Elunion to go with a press lineup. But it's like, hey, you've just seen a team that is mids heavy have to end up with two low pointers on the floor, including a one who's in his 40s. And I know David can move his chair, but it's interesting that it took a second file to be like, okay, we need to change the lineup. Oh, should we press these guys? <laughs> and then they just pressed them for like on and off for the rest of the game, like certainly the rest of the half and there were spells in the in the second half of the game. But I just thought it was interesting where it's like a sub leads to that. I mean, a file leads to that sub. And then it takes another file issue a couple of minutes later for you to be like, okay, what are we changing here? And they could have pressed them with their starters, but I just, I don't know if I see Basti off one point or on. I, I, I don't know if I'm immediately being like, hey, Tom, hey, yeah. hey, press lineup. Hey, hey, threes, get over here. Um, also, the idea that you would have to take Pincho out to run your press lineup is ludicrous in itself. Um, no, no, exactly. No, like, that's what I'm saying. Just press yeah. with your starters or, I don't know, like maybe you put the mids in like, you go four, three threes, and a one. Like you go Bill, 
Um, then you knock out Greg on the floor offensively, which is not ideal. But I was like, they can press with like Bill Pincho, Sticks, Amadou, Tom, for example. I think you want to. I think you want Greg in your lineup. I want you want to squeeze that yeah. in. Um, so but I'm gonna know. gonna rattle some numbers off for Illunion. Um, my favorite stat of this entire stat sheet is Illunion's lowest shooting percentage on the split was their free throws, where they were six of eleven for fifty four percent. They were 62% from two on 56 shots, seven of 10 threes. Um, individual shooting percentages, the lowest percentage of anybody was Amadou, who was 58%, seven from 12. Decent. Um, just, it was just an onslaught, man. There was absolutely no stopping them. Um, and Gran Canaria, by contrast, 16 of 21 free throws. That helped keep the score respectable. Uh, only one from three threes, so there's what eighteen points difference there out of the twenty-two. Um, yeah, you're losing, you're losing the numbers game there. And yeah, Grand Canaria fifty-four percent shooting, but on 30, 13 less attempts than Illunion. Um, yeah, Grand Canaria when they got chances, they put them away by and large. Um, they just got less shots because of the press and. Yeah, I thought Illunion ultimately made the right decision, but it took them a strange amount of time to get there. Um, Illunion scoring totals, let's just do this quick. Hasso, 17, Bill, 16, Amadou, 15, Terry, 15, Greg, 12. And I think 10 of Greg's came in the first half, maybe. Yeah, like I, Greg went nuts in the first quarter and I was like, okay, Greg's going to have 40 here. And then, but it is just the thing I talked about where it's like they started running in that lineup that was a point under. Um, they started running like man out down the middle, Greg behind the screen. Illunion were obviously like, hey, here's what we're not doing. We're not going to just, I mean, Grand Canaria were like, here's what we're not doing. We're not going to let Greg get going anymore. And he ended up with 12. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't matter because everyone else got going because you're like, hey, we can't give this up. We're going to have to, oh, layups. Definitely. Yeah. Shout out to Illunion. Um, all respect to Grand Canaria. There, there just wasn't a lot to be optimized further here, I don't think. No. Yeah, Illunion, a cut above currently. Sure. Right. All right. So we head to Germany. Pack your bags. All right. This is terrible. I need to stop doing that. All right. There's, so um, there's a couple of games in Germany that are on the more interesting side. There were a couple that were non-events. So should we blitz through the nondescript ones now? All right. First one, Skywheelers 37 during the Bulls 87. Uh, should we just run through the stats here quickly? Let's do it. Quick quick shout out to the Bulls for having, they rolled out their full team against Hanover last week and blew them out by 20 something, I think, 25. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've been playing with like kind of guys filling in the gaps and then seemingly they gave a couple of their guys the week off again after they're like, oh, we got Hanover. We don't need to worry so much about um, Skywheelers the week after. But yeah, Stats, Haluski with 19, um, Jordi Ruiz with 15, Jens with 17, then 12 apiece for Joachim Linden and Ari Twy, 10 for Hubert Hager. Skywheelers, nobody in double figures, couple of nines um, for Christoph Spitz and Tim Diedrich, seven for Sven Diedrich, and six and four for Shapo, um, Sukabi and Fabian Gale. And yeah, yeah. Marianne I would have been stunned two. if this had been within less than the 50 points that was the ultimate end margin. 
Wow, fifty! A nice round fifty. Yeah. And to be fair, that actually took that took Thuringen winning the third quarter by nineteen to four. So, had that quarter been slightly less hectic, this would have been a much different affair. I think there's a lot of coasting going on here, which is not typical of Thuringen. But hey, they're allowed they're allowed to give themselves a game off every now and then. Yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily true if they end up winning by fifty. Um, yeah. Yeah, this team. That would you have been, ha- this team okay. has no breaks. I say coasting. Would you have been surprised if they'd have beaten this team by closer to a hundred than fifty? Uh, yes, just mathematically. But yeah, I I get what you're saying. But also, actually, yes. All right. Um, you're really close to go. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the deal is in doing it in terms of like guys missing. I know Driss is hurt. Um. And we'll be back at some point. Uh, I don't know what else is going on. I'm just like, there's a couple of teams that aren't really at full um, capacity yet. There's a couple of, like, obviously, um, LA hasn't been around for Albacete yet. Lee's missed a couple of games. Um, Turingen have had guys in and out. I hope, I hope everyone's back for February, at least for Champions Cup stuff. Like, that's that's all I want. Um, you also but... missed, missed out Pat Anderson on the list. <laughs> Of guys who are missing in action. Yeah, but that's like he's 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 coming back. He's he's gone for some national team stuff. We know he's coming back. Well, I know he's coming back. Um, all right. Shall we talk about a different German game? Should we go Landil um, Iguanas? Let's do it. Right. So, bone to pick in the wheelchair basketball streaming world. Take two. Um. <laughs> This game is on Landil's account on Sport Deutschland. On unless it either just glitched for me, or you can tell me if this is the case, Mark. You go back to watch it, and it starts like halfway through the first quarter when I think it's like a tied game or yeah. Iguanas are up one, and then from that point, it's just a 37-point blowout. Like, I don't... Um, This is all to say that the part of this game that interests me is why it was close in the first place. And because I couldn't watch this live, because I also had a basketball game that shouldn't have been close in the first place, I was unable to watch this. So I have no idea what went on. Yeah, um, this, this was... Um, so I I joined in to watching this live because this was later than um, a bunch of the others. I was watching Gran Canaria, Illuniana at the time. And I joined this just, I think, from the point I joined, Landil scored 13 straight points to close out the first half. So it's your um, fault. So if you were there from the beginning, this wouldn't have been... Yeah, actual, I, I actually am Sport Deutschland. It only exists if I'm looking at it. Um, but yeah, I think um, there's obviously not a huge amount to say here. It's um, Munich, newish team, you know, getting to grips. They stole a win the other week. Good for them. They probably weren't going to steal a win here. And this was a classic Landil game of, you know, getting ahead slightly later than they probably would do typically, and then doing the hey, let's see what's in the what's in the armory that we can tinker around with. Um, and yeah, mission accomplished on that front at the very least. Yeah. So scores quickly. Mendel with nineteen off the bench. Rose Holloman fourteen off the bench. Thirteen for. Tommy Bomer, and then a bunch of single-figure chippings. Um, pretty good spread of scoring, getting us up to 
83 for them. Um, shout out to Katarina Weiss, who is the only... Uh, <laughs> that's some unfortunate rotation stuff. In a 40, nearly 40-point 40 win, she managed to be the only um, negative plus minus and was minus two. That is some unfortunate staggering of minutes. Yeah, that's that's just unlucky. <laughs> it's one of those you look at the plus minus and sometimes it tells you something and sometimes you're like this absolutely yeah. like this, this gives us sometimes nothing. you're like man if if they'd actually been able to sub in or out when the coach called it rather than the game then having like two or three minutes of uninterrupted action until a stoppage like that could have easily been an eight point swing for her plus minus but yeah it always you... makes me laugh it always makes me laugh a lot when someone gets in for like someone's chair breaks or there's file trouble and they get in for like four seconds and they're plus two. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there you go. We're fine. Like it always makes me laugh. We had a, um, we made a mistake playing Turingen in quarterfinals of, um, champions cup last year where we accidentally put Adrian Garcia in our four bigs lineup instead of Asier Garcia. So we played one play before we made a sub because it was written down in the score sheet and you have to start those guys. Um, so, did that we scored and he was like i'm plus two i'm good like i yeah i don't know what your guy's problem is i had a lovely time he was like i was plus two in 20 seconds so i am plus 240 over 40 minutes i don't know what your problem is the extrapolation is the um is the winner i my best one i ever had was going to one of my first ever euro cup rounds and i didn't i think i played like a couple of games when we were either comfortably ahead or comfortably behind and um, the very last game that we played in the tournament, someone had foul trouble and I had to come in for the final 11 seconds. And I got fouled and got free throws off of team fouls and I made one of two and I was like, hey, I'm plus one in 11 seconds. <laughs> this is like, I would be plus five per minute and therefore plus 200. I was like, yeah, they should have just played me more. We'd have won this whole thing. But yeah. Also, I realized I like I I was like I'm plus whatever in forty minutes, and I just pulled a number out of my ass, but it should have been one hundred and twenty. But yeah, it's fine. Fair enough. We'll we'll roll with it. Um, yeah, nothing else on the Landil Munich game. Just Munich are there to steal the ones off the lower down teams in the league, and Landil are not that. Yeah, Munich have good enough infrastructure. It looks like, apart from the streams being terrible, let <laughs> Lucas have a word. Um. They have enough infrastructure that maybe if they stick around, they'll be like financially backed enough or it'll be an attractive enough proposition that more players will sign up and they might stick around. Hopefully. I want sustainable planning for wheelchair basketball teams. That's what I want. Like I want teams to actually try and stick around and it looks like that's what they're doing. But yeah. People will at the very least join Munich in September so they can hang around till Oktoberfest and then they'll find their way out if the rest of the year doesn't suit them. Yes. Um, talking about now, I have no good transitions. Uh, Ryan Riverino, seventy-six. Vicao, thirty-seven. I was gonna go sustainable planning. Signing Jim when he was like eighteen. Jim being the mayor of Zwickau. Um, I mean the mayor of uh, <laughs> the mayor. <laughs> Jim gets to be the mayor of anywhere that they beat. Uh, no, I just over the summer I started referring to Jim as the mayor of East Baden at one point. Um, but because I was gonna go king of East Baden, but I don't really, I I like him too much to put him down as a royal. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, not a whole lot going on here. Um, everyone, everyone got everyone got going. Everyone was plus a million. Um, 
some Thuringen numbers going on here. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Young, 21, Nico, 15, uh, Nico Dremelin, 15, Face, uh, 16, Mikey Pay has eight, um, Jim, zero, but plus 39 in 40 minutes. Um, Moji off the bench with 16. Um, it's fun. It'll, it'll it'll be fun to see like Moji keep sort of integrating further into there because I know obviously like Mikey coaching that team coming from a USA background and a Landil background, they're kind of very organized and it's just fun to like plug Moji in and be like, hey Moji, and we signed you a year after you just had like forty some games from a team doing whatever you want and whatever you could. I think I think it's fun to plug him in there because he's super talented and um I also love the I love a bit of like chaos that comes from it. But yeah, but it's maybe not like, it's not what they're going for as a team right now, but like I think it's super useful at times to be like, yeah, yeah this guy like can the, get us whatever we want sometimes. The break glass in case of emergency of being like, hey, can this guy just go wild for however many minutes we chuck him out of there? Um I was impressed with I will say this, I know Zvika are obviously new to the top league or re-establishing themselves in the top league. Um, I thought this was a good sign for Wiesbaden just because Zwickau obviously ran that short-handed uh, Thuringer team relatively close for like half a game um, in the first game of the season. They've got enough talent and enough guys that I feel like I wouldn't be stunned if Zwickau stole a game off of like teams that are above them in the Trier, Cologne, Munsterland kind of tier. And I thought this kind of emphatic beatdown from Wiesbaden was very much a, hey, we're more up there with the top three than we are in the middle of the pack. Um, I know it's tough to gauge anything from these games that are like approaching 40 points, but I think the fact that it was approaching 40 points, especially when you look at the game that we'll get to in a little bit with Munsterland and Hanover being way closer than it feels like it should have been, I'm always encouraged to see the better team come out there and um, really be willing to assert their authority on this front. Yeah. Um, which is no shade at you versus Hitafe. No, no, but I do. I've said <laughs> it before. Like I, I think for teams, it's like for the teams that near the top of the league, it's kind of just important to go out and smash someone every so often. Like, I think that's what we hoped for that last weekend where it was like, Hey, we've had a couple of rough ones where we haven't, like we've scraped 60 points. It's like, hey, it might be good to come out here and score 85 and win by 40. Yeah, but it ultimately doesn't count for a lot, but it's it's a great deal more encouraging to see it be a 40-point game than a 14-point game, even if that doesn't like really count towards final standings or anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's well, it's humans, it's about feeling good as well. Like there there are yeah. real people involved behind all these stats and podcasts. True that. All right. Um should we go Cologne Trier? Yeah, let's do it. I've I've watched this one twice because I didn't but I thought I must have like hallucinated it when I watched it the first time. Um Um Cologne sixty eight. Dolphins Trier eighty three and we both know the number, but we're we'll play the game anyway. Guys at home, play along. How many did Dirk pass one half? I'll give you five seconds. He had 40, 45. 
45 points, 16 rebounds, and 13 assists. I think that's the most assists I've ever seen him have. Um, yeah, how do you have 45 and have time to pass the ball 13 times? If you, if you do the maths, he made 17 shots, and Trier as a team made 34, which means there was only four Trier baskets in the entire game that weren't off of assists by him. Um, Incredible. Or by him, even. Um and that might have just been bad stats. No, I don't know. Um, I was wondering, because like we spoke about this, like I think you asked whether it should be like alarm bells that a team that have enough good players like Cologne do are able to let him go nuts. And then I said, I don't know if being Dirk Passawand is like yeah. that uncommon. Like he's done this to better teams but then we made the point of like he maybe doesn't do this to really good teams and they certainly I've seen good teams let him go off and still just win because no one else gets anything they've gone for the yeah I think he goes I think that's fair but I think I think the only lesson you can take out of that is oh maybe Cologne aren't in the tier with Landil and Thuringen and it's like yeah that's not really news to anybody (laughs) no but I I do think if you have enough good mobile midpointers like Cologne you do have to take it seriously that you yeah. can't keep a guy below 45 but then again like I watched it and my read on it is do you remember when NBA bigs played drop defense where like they'd be defending a pick and roll they'd come up to the they'd come up to where the pick was happening and then they'd kind of drop back and try and play two on one and then yeah. that changed when Steph Curry and others decided okay if you're going to be in the charge circle when I come off this pick I'm not going to come off it towards you I'm going to come off sideways and just shoot threes yeah this is what happened over and over again in my mind with Dirk Pass one like if he I knew you'd, you'd defend pick and rolls differently with different guys but like whoever's defending the picker has to come with him and has to be there ready when he comes off the pick because this guy is going to shoot it. Like, but, it's it's been 20 years at least. That Like, you should know this by now. And they did. And it's like, it must be so annoying if you jump him, you get picked, and you see him come off the screen open. Like, you just can't not be there. Like, you have to... The next guy has to be there and you can be four on three behind the screen and you can figure it out like you can you can scramble but you can't like i first quarter especially i was like why is dirk pass one open on the elbow how does he come off a screen and no one else is there waiting for him that was that was my that was my impression let's think about this way if point one of the plan is jump dirk passavan so he can't shoot and point two of the plan is when he dribbles off sit off him why is point one of the plan not just sit off him? Because if you're going to let him get to that point, what, like, if you're going to jump him in the first place, there is no reason to let him roll and shoot as soon as he then gets free again. And there are guys that you want to force off certain spots, but, like, I don't know, like, I I, I would jump Dark Pass 1, like, when the bus arrives, like, I don't, in the, like, in, in the car park, like, I don't, this guy, like, you, you jump him on the halfway line and then as soon as the pick's set, you're like, all right, cool. Well, we couldn't have done any more. Like, come on, get up there. And I'm not, it's not like I'm not naming anyone in particular. I'm not blaming anyone in particular, but it's just like a team-wide, like, yeah, I don't know, first team. name that's, ri- like the first name that gets mentioned when you start game planning on a Monday. Like, I feel like you can't, you can't be like, hey, well, we tried our best because I jumped him once and he came off the pick. <laughs> this guy doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, 
couple of numbers from this one. So this ended up being a 15-point win for Trier over Cologne, who had previously beaten Munsterland in convincing fashion and almost scored an upset on Landale. This was a 15-point win despite Cologne winning the fourth quarter by 10 points. Um, it was 25 minutes. Out. The score at halftime of this game, which I can barely fathom, was 49-23. to 23. Um, So for perspective, that is almost an identical score to what Thuringen and Skywheelers was at halftime, um, which those teams obviously on way more extreme sides of the um, hierarchy. And yeah, man, Trier, 68 shots, 50% shooting. Cologne, 75 shots, man. They got more shots than them, and they shot 33 of 75. 75 shots is plenty um, to make that happen. But yeah, the only real effective offensive player for Cologne was Balut Codal, who that's not massively surprising because Trier aren't stocked up with Giants. Yeah. Um, even though, man, he was. He was 11 from 21, 11 rebounds. He got, you know, Passivan essentially shot a better percentage from the outside than the biggest guy on the floor shot from the inside. Um, yeah, and I thought Trier sniffed blood on this one. And they, that first quarter, I mean, 19 to 8, eight's bad, but it's not insurmountable. I thought Trier just smelled blood on this one and they were like, hey, we're going to, we're going to pile this on as long as this shonky defense they're playing is letting us off the chain here. And yeah, 30 to 15 um, second quarter kind of sealed the game at that point. And if you're Cologne, man, you, I mean, they had, what, a 40, 45 point second half? I mean, you've, you've got to be looking at a bit like, if we can put up 45 and a half, how do we end up on 68 for the game against, I mean, nobody, if you mentioned Trier to anybody in the wheelchair basketball world, nobody's telling you about their defense. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. What are people talking about? A guy that can come off screens and shoot. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. I, this is, I, I don't want to be hypocritical. Like, I I played against a guy that got off from three um, this this weekend, and I let him get a couple too. Like, it, it happens, but it's just like, you can you can figure everything else out if you don't let him get going and you did like i just oh, i don't know if if anybody hasn't watched this game i like it obviously probably wasn't top of the docket for most people who try and get through these as they come out on a saturday but if anyone's not watched this game i would really encourage you to watch it from a basketball analysis standpoint if we've got any budding defensive specialist coaches out there maybe this is some homework for you oh god all right um last one let's do it okay hanover united 59 bbc munsterland 58 so um we're gonna go it's 2-1 on the where are people putting wheelchair basketball games online because i have not watched this game because i have recently been informed well, just previous to this podcast being recorded, that Hanover United now are running their games on YouTube. So well done. I just missed that that's a thing that happened. So I haven't seen this because I was trolling Sport Deutschland, trying to find it and couldn't. I also went on Hanover United's website, which didn't help me a whole lot to find oh, that's it either. Not, that's on them. So they've got a YouTube channel and they're not telling you that on their website. That is on them. Uh, no, it's probably more that I just don't speak German. 
Um, <laughs> so that is is that on me? Probably. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So this is a one point game. Uh, um, Mark, you watched this? <laughs> I did. Go, going by um, the play by play, Jan Sadler made a shot to uh, to to clutch the game. Sean Norris went to the line, missed both, but got his rebound. <laughs> this was, I mean, this was a one point game, and this was with Hanover winning the fourth quarter by three. Um, so, oh, Jan Haller, sorry, I got my yams mixed up. I apologize. That's fine. That's probably not the first time we've done this on this podcast. No, it's harder when you haven't watched the game. I could have just, I, I wasn't going to lie. Um, but yeah. Munsterland, it was tied after one quarter. Munsterland by four at halftime. Munsterland by two um, after three. And then Hanover just squeaked this one out. And yeah, I think we've, Hanover have had like a relatively easy schedule with the exception of playing Thuringham last weekend. And they brought Sean Norris off the bench for this one, which they've not done a great deal of. Um, kind of outside of his first couple of games when he got there last year. I think we're starting to see the Mariska absence hurting them more than maybe I expected just in their units. Um, It feels like every time they're making a sub, they're kind of doing... It feels really tough for them to get a five that they really love on the floor. It feels like every kind of two-person sub is like, okay, we'll... You know, we can afford to put this person in for this person, but it means we have to put this person in for this person kind of thing. And it, the lineups aren't hugely clean at the moment. Um, how that pans out remains to be seen. But, um, I mean, the other thing that affected them was that Munsland are pretty big in all spots, even their low point. of Ilsa is, you know, pretty sturdy physically. And, yeah, Hanover usually win the battle on, you know, when they do the Tom McHugh and Alex Buda lineups, Alex Buda is their second biggest guy, and he normally is able to just house whoever's defending him if he gets a low on him or whatever. Good offensive game from Buda, quiet offensive game from Tom McHugh, and I think that was the Munsterland spread of size getting to him a little bit. Um, and the story for Munsterland, man, is Julian Lammering had 27. He's like Germany's Oscar Knight at the moment. Um, he's had... 20-ish against everybody apart from Thuringen, I think. And yeah, this Munsterland team, bizarrely, obviously Matthias has gone from last year. Um, Joost Mosinkov, who's been um, kind of playing in his place, wasn't there. So they played Luca Holstein, who, if you can remember Luca Holstein's best game, then more power to you. <laughs> you watch more games than us. Yeah. Um, and Munsterland seem to just be able to cobble it together with... You know, they have essentially one lineup and it was good enough to give Landil a tough game and it's now good enough to give Hanover a tough game. Um, and they damn near won this one, man. Shout out to Jan Haller for sealing the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Hanover a little bit shaky, I think is my takeaway up to this point. Um, similar to what we were talking about with Wiesbaden a second ago, I feel like Hanover could really use a convincing win to steady the ship. And I don't know if I've seen evidence of that yet. Sure. I don't want to... Any vamping I do makes it seem like I'm pretending that I've seen this. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, 
bring on like Hanover v Spadden type games. That's yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. That's um, the um, just out of interest, who do you think? It's obviously early. Um, if we're assuming the German top four is Thuringen, Landil, Wiesbaden, Hanover in roughly that order, or swap some of those couples around if you want, but who do you think is the fifth best team in Germany? Um, looking at it, I might have gone Cologne previously, but haven't been that convinced. Is it just Munsterland again? I think I think it's Munsterland, and I. Th- Munsterland after like Bellers moving on, still being this great and massive. It like still being massive and still being great because you're massive. <laughs> yeah, is, um, is impressive. Well, the, I think Munsterland it makes sense because the two of their guys who moved into the starting lineup last year are still really young. Like I think Julian Lammering's like nineteen at this point. And yeah, I think so. I think yeah. I think he's eighteen, maybe. I. God, his brother's a couple of years younger than him. Um, uh, maybe I'm conflating the Lammerings. It makes it makes sense that they've got this upward trajectory now. But with Hanover, a one point loss away from if you know, the if um, Jan Heller hadn't made that shot, we could be looking at a situation right now where Munzland had the inside track to finish in the top four in Germany, depending on how things played out. Uh, probably for the privilege of getting waxed by Thuringen. Um, in the playoff round, but but yeah, that's what you're going for, isn't it? Like that's yeah, that's, that's yeah, the that, that would that would be the the biggest moment in BBC Munsterland history would be getting losing two games by a combined 136 points. Um, that's an interesting one where you said during in there, and my immediate reaction was like, if I'm one of the third or fourth teams, would I rather play Landil than Turingen? And is that not actually necessarily even an indication that I think Turingen are better than Landil? Like, I don't, like, I think both things are true, but I don't, you know, I think it's interesting that I was like, maybe I'd rather see Landil in a crossover if I was the lower ranked team, but I also don't necessarily think that means yeah. that I think Turingen smash Landil. No, I don't think that. I think. I think the the real thing is I think Thuringen, as you alluded to when you said they had no breaks, Thuringen are ruthless. Um, Landil have all the talent they need. I don't think they've proved to me really that they are just out there to completely wipe the floor with teams that they see as beneath them. And I think the reason that you know you don't think Thuringen wipe the floor with Landil, like you said, is. I think Landil are really quite prone to get up for the big games and sure. maybe coast. Otherwise, I don't know there's any coasting as far as throwing in a concern. Um, and yeah, this um, obviously we're super early in the season, man. But, you know, as I say, this was a, a made shot away from Munsterland, potentially Pippen Hanover for for the playoffs or Pippen v Spartan if it ended up with like a, a three-team tie. Um, so yeah, crazy times, man. Germany's pretty condensed in the middle underneath the top two. Um, like It honestly wouldn't surprise me even after the game this week if Cologne had a bounce back and scored a big one on somebody. Yeah. Um, although I'm admittedly less enthused by that than I was. Um, yeah, for sure. We, uh, belt, should we do the belt? 45 points. Yeah, it's got to be, hasn't it? It would be absurd to suggest anything else. Boring. 
boring but the right thing to do because I think this is the first one in a while we've not even suggested any other candidates we're just like hey you got like it's the I don't know we're now at the point where it's like yeah how many did Fifi have how many did pass one have I think we need to sort of like jolt ourselves a little bit by giving it to someone who has single figure points but does something cool yeah like Uh, the time that I think Yannick had like six in a game but he had a game winning steal and a layup to, to close it out we were like yeah this is what it's about We'll keep um, we'll keep an eye out for such performances. I count style points as well. So they if are. anyone if anyone's vying for the belt, lefty behind the back passes, etc. <laughs> you know. Right. Shall we get out of here? We shall. All right. Um should I hit record? No. <laughs> All right. Uh thanks for listening. We're probably gonna try and wangle a guest in over the next week or so. Yep. And if not, we'll be back to talk about next week's games. Let's do it. Bye. Peace.